Now Pastor Rick brings his Father's Day message, As for Me and My House. Okay, I don't want to take a lot of time here with announcements because I, I spent a little time talking, but I do want to say Chick-fil-A this Wednesday, okay? Now, we're going to try to, you know, a bunch of us meet about 5.30 and have, uh, have dinner before church, and some of us go afterwards, and I might have to go both times just so I can see everybody that's there. But listen, you don't have to wait till then, please. Eat breakfast there and eat lunch there and eat a mid-afternoon snack there. And go join us at 5.30 and go after. And, and tell them, every time you go through, tell them, I'm here for uh, to support the missions trip, and we'll get 20% of that toward our missions trip, okay? So don't forget, tell, and tell everybody. I mean, everybody in town can do this. I mean, if we get the whole town to go through there, we get 20% of every single receipt. So make sure you tell a lot of people, you know, share that, the Facebook, uh, the invitation that we sent out or a post or something, okay? All right, so let's, let's uh, get to our message this morning. We're taking a break from our Life App series. And I'm really excited about what God is doing with that Life App series already. But we're taking a break from that for Father's Day. And I hope that you remembered it was Father's Day before we started uh, announcing that to you a little while ago and wishing everybody a happy Father's Day. If not, you know, it might have been good fundraiser, Shannon, if we'd have had some Father's Day gifts, you know, maybe in the back, you know, for somebody that forgot, you know, some cards or something. Might have to do that in the future, you know. Just be ready for those kinds of things, you know. Uh, so, but uh, we want to get to Father's Day. And some months ago... When I was dedicating a baby, I gave you moms permission to cherish your babies. I don't know if you remember that. Now, you know, it seems like it seems like some people are saying, you know, well, m- mothers dote on their children too much, and I was giving you permission. No, you need to cherish it because you you are the cherisher. I mean, if nobody else, so I gave you permission to cherish, whether you needed it or not. And in the same way, uh, this morning, what I want to do is with you fathers, I want to give you permission and authority to set the spiritual direction for your family. Set the spiritual future to basically finish the sentence that is the the title of today's message. And we're not going to preach from Joshua 24, but I I want you to see this one little phrase here. This is the title of the message, as for me and my house. Now, I want to give you permission, men. I want to give you permission. I want to give you authority this morning to uh, finish that sentence and what, what, what would you say there? As for me and my house, we're going to be Alabama fans. We're going to be Auburn fans. As for me and my house, we're going to get to the lake at least every other weekend. What, what, what are you going to finish it with? As for me and my house. That's how Joshua finished it. So how will you finish it this morning? Let's have a word of prayer and let's get to this message. Father, I love you and I thank you, God, for dads. I thank you for fathers, God, that, uh, God, great fathers, Lord. Fathers that mess up, slip up, God, and, and uh, Lord, sometimes make us laugh when they do and sometimes make us cry when they do, but God, it comes back and love us anyway. And God, that aren't perfect, Lord, but also show us their imperfections and show us how you help us through those things. God, I thank you for all these kinds of dads. And, and God, we, we, just, we need real dads to step up again, Lord, and I just pray your Holy Spirit, please, would uh, just help us, guide us, Lord, during, uh, during this message to, God, uh, uh, the challenge that you put on me, Lord, as I've been studying this, Lord, the same challenge to be upon our, our men, our dads, God, in uh, the service today. I pray this in Jesus' name, God. Have your will. And everybody said, amen. amen. Okay. Uh, up until about nine or ten days ago, I was going to preach to you on Joshua 24, 15, and some things about Joshua. About eight, nine days ago, God started stirring something else in my heart. But I couldn't get away from this one phrase because, I mean, still, this was in my heart. As for me and my house. So make a decision today, Dad. If you haven't yet, if you think you haven't yet, you really already have. 
Even if you have, you may think, well, I've not ever made this decision yet. Well, you've already made the decision then. Because if you haven't chosen the spiritual direction for your house, then it's probably just wandered around everywhere. So that's the decision you've made, to let it go wherever it wants to flow. Make a decision today, Dad. So I want to take you to a story. This is where God led me, to the story of a, of a king of Israel, uh, Hezekiah. And his story starts in 2 Chronicles 29. Sound familiar to anybody? 2 Chronicles 29. But it goes for several chapters there. It's interesting if you ever read Kings and uh, Chronicles. You read through there. Most of the kings might have a chapter. Some of them just have a few verses. But Hezekiah has several chapters. And, you know, and most of us wouldn't say he is the most awesome king. I kind of brought that up to you a few weeks ago when we were talking. I had one little point and one message a few weeks ago about Hezekiah. He wasn't the most awesome king. He wasn't the richest king. There were some awesome things that happened spiritually in the kingdom because of Hezekiah's leadership. Now, before I get it, I really got three points. I don't have any idea if I'm going to get all three of these points preached this morning or not. We'll just have to see. But before I get to these three points, I've got one kind of an introductory thought I want to give you about Hezekiah because I know what a lot of guys are saying today, saying, well, and I hope none of you are saying this, but I know a lot of guys are saying today, well, I didn't have a dad that taught me like that. I didn't have a dad that carried me to Sunday school. I didn't have a dad that taught me how to pray, that bought me a Bible. I, I didn't have a dad. Well, can I tell you, listen, we are without excuse, dads. It, it, it doesn't matter what our dad did. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, if, if, you're, if you like that term, old man. I don't really like it a whole lot. But if your old man was not a very good old man, it, it doesn't matter. We are without excuse. And we find this here in, in Hezekiah. I want you to see this in Hezekiah's life. Because Hezekiah did what was right. You're going to see, he did what was right. We don't have time to talk about his whole life, but I'm going to show you some things. He did what was right. But let me introduce you to Hezekiah's dad first, okay? Because I want you to see how we're without excuse. And it backs up chapter 28. It says, now in the time of his distress, King Ahaz, who is Hezekiah's dad, he became increasingly unfaithful to the Lord. This is that King Ahaz. Interesting, isn't it? This is that, King Ahaz. There were several uh, men named Ahaz, and there were a couple of kings named Ahaz. We just wanted you to know that this is the one that turned his back on God. And what was interesting there is it said, in his time of his distress. Now, what are you supposed to do when you get in trouble? I mean, when you get in trouble, man, that's the time that you get a hold of God, right? But not him. He turned his back on him. Uh, I have a hard time reading that one. (laughs) let me tell you what he said for uh, the kings of uh, Damascus, they had defeated him, saying, because the gods of Syria will help them. He said, I will sacrifice to them that they may help me. But they were the ruin of him and of all Israel, for he sacrificed the gods of, Israel, uh, of Damascus. So verse 24. So Ahaz gathered the ancients, uh, the articles of the house of God, and he cut the articles of the house of God. Now think about it. Somebody comes in here, and, and they just start gathering all this furniture, you know, the chairs and the equipment and all this. You know, and they start taking uh, their chainsaws and, and uh, their saws all, you know, and they just start cutting it all into pieces, just breaking it all up. That's what he was doing. And they shut up the doors of the house of the Lord, and he made for himself altars throughout all of Jerusalem, in every corner of Jerusalem. And in every single city of Judah, he made high places to burn incense to other gods and provoke to anger the Lord God of his fathers. Now, I don't know how bad your dad was, but he never nailed the doors of the church shut, did he? I mean, he didn't enter into the church and start ripping apart all of the furniture and tearing up all the equipment. So, you know, I don't really care how bad your dad was. He wasn't as bad as Hezekiah's dad. And Hezekiah's dad still 
found a, or Hezekiah still found a way to serve God and honor him and do what was right. And let me show you one little thing. This is, this is really way on over to the story of Hezekiah. But, but I want to just show you one, one other little thing. I think it's in verse, uh, chapter 31, is it? Is that where it's at? In chapter 31? It says, it talks about them see, uh, seeking the Passover, seeking to celebrate the Passover. When they get to the Passover, and, and it says that they don't have the temple ready because Hezekiah's dad's got the thing so messed up, they can't have the Passover. But it says, he says, hear me, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. I'm sorry, I, I wanted to go to chapter 31. Uh, I'm sorry, I'll just explain what, what happened there. Is, is when they start to celebrate the Passover, the temple's not ready. The church is not ready. They can't do it. And so what they end up having to do is they have to put it off to the second month. But you know what they do? They do it in the second month as soon as they can. They, they, even though they can't do it right now, right then, they do it as soon as they can. Even though they can't do it at the prescribed time, they said, well, we're not going to just say, well, you know, I slept a little late. We're going to be five minutes late for church today, so let's just not go. No, we're going to be five minutes late, but let's get there anyway. We'll miss the first song, but we'll be there for number two. I mean, this is this is this was the attitude that he had. Is even if I can't do it today, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to take the excuse that I didn't have to. My dad messed life up so much for us spiritually speaking that now I, you know, I just don't have to do anything. I can do it my way. I can take my time. No, he got in a hurry about this because Word of God says he started it in the first day of the first month. Now, I know some people read that in a little different way, but the way I read it, it's talking about the first day of the first month, and some say that he was actually coronated on the first day of the first month of the Jewish year. But, it's, but, but whatever it's telling us there, it's pointing out, what is it telling us? That he started it on the first of the first. His attitude was, we got to get this done in a hurry. Because, you know, you never know. You never know how much time you've got. Now, you know, I don't want to play on sympathies. I don't want to play on emotions and those things. But, I mean, we were just reminded this past Thursday night about how quick a life can be gone. And Nick was telling me about this young man that passed away. He told me where he, where he had his accident on the corner of Fieldstown in Maine. I said, how do you get killed? On the corner of Fieldstown in Maine, I meant, you know, 30, 35 miles an hour is too fast through there. How do you get killed right there? And how fast life can be taken away from us. And that was somebody's son. That, there was some dad that his, his time of pouring into his child was over Thursday night, a little bit after 8 p.m. Dad, we need to think about this. We need to get the attitude of Hezekiah and say, I might not have another couple of months. i got to get this done right now, today, the first day of the first month. And you know that saying about today is the first day of the rest of your life? You might not be able to fix your yesterday. You can't go back to that. But don't wait till tomorrow because today is the first of the first. You can make a decision today, Dad. You can say, as for me in my house, I, I might not have made this, but today I can make a decision. And, and, and as for me in my house on this day, this first day, this moment, this day, I choose. And what is it you're going to choose? I'll tell you three things about it, three, three little points I want to make here. The first thing you got to do, Dad, follow the example of Hezekiah. You need to prepare the house. That's what he did. He started preparing the house so they could have Passover. Prepare the house. And which house? Well, he had a temple that he had to prepare, but you got your own temple to prepare. Back in those days, there was one temple where everybody worshipped, you know, and, and that was the only place where God's spirit would come to dwell. But now, where is the temple today? It's right here, right? Okay, so we all have our own little temples that we've got to take care of. But dads, we also have another temple. We've also got a house we need to be taken care of. 
There's a place where we're raising our kids. There's a place where we're, where we're nurturing, nurturing our marriages. There's a place where we hope one day if, uh, you know, if, if, if we don't mess our kids up too much, you know, they're going to bring some grandkids home to us, you know, and all those things. That, and, and we're talking about the house. And we have to prepare the house. So I want you to look at the story of preparing the house. And so on the first day of the first month, here's what Hezekiah did. He gathered all the Levites together. And he said, hear me, Levites. Now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. Okay, there's two things that are happening here. When they're getting this house ready, there's two things they've got to do. First of all, they've got to get all the junk out of it. Because, you know, as they, as they, as they cut into pieces, you know, all the articles, all the furniture, you know, they just left it laying there. They didn't haul it out. They didn't clean the place out. They went in and just destroyed everything and just left it in heaps and rubbish. So they had to clear all that out. And then they had to anoint or sanctify because it had to be anointed. Now, you know these bottles of anointing oil that we have around here, and we've been doing this for the past couple of Father's Days. We're going to do this again at the end of the service. But I want to explain to you just a little bit about what this means. Now, we just use, you know, we basically take the cap off, you know, kind of do a little thing like this, you know, almost like, you know, putting putting cologne or, or, or uh, perfume on, you know. But we just kind of take a little bit of this and norm, normally anoint something. That's not the way they did it back in those days. And you need to understand how they did it back in those days, not necessarily so you do it today because somebody might get mad at you if you did it this way today because they got people to see this afternoon and all that. But they would take, I mean, they would take a bottle of oil and they would just kind of dump it on top of the person's head. And, you know, and it'd run down their, their hair and it'd run down and get in their ears, you know. And it would run down all of their clothes and it'd run down to the hem. And that's why when you're reading the Old Testament and you see that people notice someone has been anointed, that's why. <laughs> because they didn't have just a, a little bit of oil touched on their forehead there a little bit or something. They had it running down all over them, and it went all the way down, and even, even down the beard, as, as Psalms talks about, even Aaron's beard, and all the way down to the hem of the garment, and drips down and drips down and drips down. That's why, because they were marked. And so I understand what they do when, they, when they're going back into the house, and, and, and they begin to repair, and they begin to build the, the, the articles of the temple again. And as they anoint these, what they're doing, they're not just touching them, but what they're doing is they're pouring the oil over them. And why? Is they're saying, now this thing is hallowed or sanctified or set apart for a specific task. Don't take it outside and don't use it for anything else except to serve God. Wow. Can you get with me on that, Dad, for just a moment and imagine yourself taking a, uh, taking a bottle of oil and going into your child's room and while they are sleeping, just kind of reach over and take a little bit of that oil and just touch them somewhere on their body, their finger or something, you know, and just say, just like I just said about this, said, this vessel right here is not to be used for anything secular, anything out there, anything to promote what is going on in this world, but this vessel that I'm praying over right now is to be set apart and sanctified and hallowed and marked, set apart for God to be used by him and only him to bring him glory in every single thing he or she does for the rest of their life. Amazing, isn't it? And that's exactly what we need to do. And when you take it on to other places, and I'll talk about that at the end of this message a little bit. And so that's what they had to start doing, those two things. I need to hurry. I had to set that up. But for our fathers have trespassed and done evil in the eyes of the Lord our God. They've forsaken him. They've turned their faces away from the dwelling place of the Lord and turned their backs on him. Going to verse 7. I'll say this real quick. Guys, here's what, here's what some of us need to do. Because we didn't make the choice last week, yesterday, or whatever. Or because we made the wrong choices about as for me and my house. Here's what we The first thing we've got to do is we've got to turn everybody around. I mean, we've been going in the wrong direction. We've got to turn everybody around. 
I, I mean, you know, that's why it's, you know, that's why it's hard to hard to start, you know, uh, having having prayer or having a, a, a devotion. We got to turn everybody around. It's hard to have a, have a spiritual conversation with, you know, with a, a teenager in your family that you've never had a spiritual conversation with. You know, they're kind of looking at you, well, why are we talking about this? You about to die or something, Dad? You know, whatever, that's what they're going to think. But you've got to make, it's going to have to be a drastic thing because we're going in the wrong direction, so let's turn around. You know, let's don't take our time and, you know, and let's just wander around the block a little while. And hope we get this thing turned around in six months or something about our family. No, we're going in the wrong direction. And if we're going in the wrong direction, that's the direction we need. Let's make a U-turn right now, today. Make a decision. And let's turn around and get back. They have also shut up the doors of the vestibule. Hezekiah's talking. He's talking about his dad. But he didn't call him by name. He even gave him honor there. And he said, they put out the lamps. They've not burned incense. They've not offered burnt offerings in the holy place to the God of Israel. They haven't done all these things that they were supposed to do for all this time. They haven't, they haven't uh, prayed. They haven't sacrificed. And they gathered their brethren, sanctified themselves, and went according to the commandment of the king at the words of the Lord to cleanse the house of the Lord. So here's what they did. The Levites, they rose up. They rose up and gathered everybody else. We need some, we need some dads to rise up again. We need some dads to, to stand up to the place where you're supposed to be. You know, don't, you know, get off the couch. Quit being a couch potato. Get involved. Be a part of the family. And don't just be a part of the family. Be the lead of the family. God, God, God has given you this authority to, to choose the spiritual direction of the house, not because he's given you the, the rights or, or, or privileges or authorities of a king, not as a kingship, but he's given you this calling as the spiritual leader of the house. And you know what that means to be a leader? You know what that means to be a leader, Right? I mean, it means you got to have somebody. I was telling the student leaders this past week, you know, if, you know what a leader is? I love John Maxwell's quote about this. He said, if you think you're a leader and nobody's following you, you're just taking a walk. And you know, we got a lot of dads around, I think, these days that they're just taking walks. Nobody's following them. And spiritually, we need some dads to step up again and be the spiritual leader they're supposed to be. And some of you, you may say, oh, I'm very involved in my family. Well, wait a minute. we got to talk about a little balance here, too. Because we get too out of balance in things, dads, of the other things that we get involved in. And yet we're doing a whole lot of stuff. But spiritually, we're couch potatoes because we don't have any spiritual. I mean, we might be doing a whole lot of things with our families. But unless we're a spiritual leader, we're just spiritual couch potatoes. And we need some men to rise up again and, and as the spiritual leader of their households. And they rose, so they rose up and started this. So the priest went into the inner part of the house of the Lord, all the way to the very inner part, all the way to the back, the place, the only one little place in the whole world where God said, my spirit will meet with you. And they started to cleanse it. They brought out all the debris they found in the temple of the Lord to the court of the house of the Lord. And the Levites took it out and carried it to the Kidron. The rubbish, there was rubbish, there was debris that they had to take out. And think about how much rubbish and debris we create for our kids. Our kids need to come into the house of God and worship God, and not just in this house, but in their own temple. Our kids need to, uh, our kids need to see their house as a place where their lives. I mean, any, any time, you know, it's, it, it's, not, it's not just a false teaching sometimes that you give, but, but when your example isn't a consistent example of who Jesus Christ is in your life, hey, we need to clear out the trash. And guess whose job it is? It, it's the priest's job. It, it's, it's, it's not, it wasn't even the king's job. King Hezekiah's dad is the one that did it, but it wasn't his job to clear it out. 
You might say, well, if somebody else brought this trash into my home, but guess whose job it is to clean it out, Dad? It's your job. You're the priest. You're the leader. You're the spiritual leader of that household. It is your job, Dad. And if you don't have kids yet, or if your kids are married and grown and gone on, uh, and it's just you and your wife, you are still responsible, Dad, to step up and clean up the house of God. i got to hurry. i got to get out of this. Uh, uh, what's my next verse? Um, now they began to sanctify on the first day of the first month. On the eighth day of the month, they came to the vestibule of the Lord, so they sanctified the house of the Lord in eight days. And on the sixteenth day of the first month, they finished. Okay, hurry through that so you get this. It took them sixteen days. Fourteen Levites, fourteen chief Levites, fourteen men went out and got crews to work this thing. And then the priests were also there. Fourteen crews plus the priests inside the building it took them 16 days to clean it out. Now you think about that. How many do you have in your house? Priests and Levites. You got one real high priest right there in the house, right? And it took them 16 days. Guess what, Dad? It might take you a while. If you've been, if you've been heaping a lot of trash in their lives, if, if you've been, if you've been uh, uh, allowing just things to just flow, we'll just go whichever way it needs to go, whichever way it feels like, and you've not made the declaration that as for me and my house, it may take you some time. I mean, if you've been planting bad seed into your family and into your spiritual lives at home for 20 years, you ain't going to clean it up in a little prayer at the end of this message. But you know what you can do? You can do what they did. Now, they began. Somebody, come on, Dad. Somebody decide today that today is the first day. And I don't know if it'll take me 16 days, 16 weeks, or 16 months, but I'm going to begin. And as for me and my house, today I begin by deciding we will serve the Lord. Let me hurry on. Next, right here. Then King Hezekiah, oh, we're talking about worship here. Then King Hezekiah rose early, gathered the rulers of the city, and went up to the house of the Lord. I'm trying to hurry. I'm trying to skip some stuff here. I've got to say this real quick, okay? Talk about worship. We get that house clean. We get that, we get that home life clean. We get that, we get that household clean. Now it's time to worship. So here's, here's worship. You know what worship is? This whole worship experience is? I mean, here in, in the United States of America, we are blessed to have this privilege to do this. You say, well, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven. No, you don't, but we need to talk after church because I need to explain to you. You say you don't have, I agree, you don't have to go to church to go to heaven, but if that's your attitude, we need to talk. I need to explain some things to you because it ain't quite that cut and dried, but yeah, there are people that maybe live on a deserted island that can't go to a church, you know? There are people who live in the jungles of Africa that might get somebody to preach to them once every six months or so, but that ain't you. You have all this opportunity and privilege. And so let me tell you, in the next few verses, you know what you'll find out? You'll find out how they worship. And here's what it's all about, Dad, is the first thing they rose up. I heard somebody say a long time ago, don't dare send your children to church. Take them. Rise up. Rise up, Dad. You're telling them more about what church means by your actions than you will ever tell them by your words. Rise up. They gathered. They rose up and they gathered. They said, come on, let's get together. They didn't say, y'all get to church in a little while. You don't say that to your 16-year-olds. I don't care. You don't say that to your 18-year-olds. And if they're 25-year-olds and they're still at home, you don't say that to them either. 
My son, how old my son? Thank God my son was a youth pastor. I didn't have to tell him. But you know what? I never had to tell him any of my life. I never had to tell my daughter any of her life because, you know, it was never a question. We don't have, we don't have this discussion on Sunday. We don't have this discussion on Saturday night. I, you know, I, I, I know it may be a little uh, uncomfortable for you to be sitting here and hearing this with your kids listening to, listening to me say this at the same time, but come on, Dad, let's be a man today. We never had the discussion on Saturday night. Are we getting up to go to church tomorrow? Well, you've always been a pastor. No, I haven't. I haven't always been a pastor. I've always been a youth pastor. I've been a youth, I've been a youth director, and I know a lot of state officials that don't go to church anymore on Sunday because they say, I do so much work for God all week long, I don't have to. When I was a state official, guess what? We didn't talk about it on Saturday night. We're going to church tomorrow. We're going to church somewhere tomorrow. Even if we didn't have a pastor, we were going to church somewhere. When we were here in town, when we were working outside, of, when we were working out of state and we'd come home just to be home for the weekend, guess what? It didn't matter if we went to church or not. Nobody would know. Unless my mom asked me that afternoon. And maybe that's a little bit of the reason why I went. If nobody else could go and everybody else was sick, I'd find somewhere. We don't even have the discussion. Why? Because... I made the decision. And I started to say we made the decision, but it was my responsibility. I made the decision as for me and my house. We never had it. Rose up. They gathered. They went to worship. They said, oh, goodness, I wish I had about 20 minutes right here. They sacrificed for the temple. Your family, your kids, your family needs a place to worship God. And if you're not paying tithes and supporting this place, go find you a church that you can pay tithes to. If you don't believe in the dream of this church, go find you someplace that you, your kids need a place to be raised and nurtured to God. And if you don't believe in this place enough to support it with your finances, then go find you a place you believe in. Go find you a place that you, that you have confidence in. If you're not supporting this place with your, with, your, with your tithes and with your offers, you need to find a place that you can do that and say, I'm excited about this, and I want to build a place. And it's not just for your kids and your family, but it's all these communities, all these people out in the communities. They were building the place. When they brought their sa- these sacrifices for the temple, they were building the place for people to have their, have their sins forgiven and have a, have a connection with God. Oh, i got to hurry. They sang. They worshiped. That's part of it. I sang, man, I was into that this morning. They sang, they worshiped, then they sacrificed, and they sacrificed another time because it was just a thing. It, it, it was beyond what I owe. It was like, I want to give something just because I'm thankful. It was a sacrifice of thankfulness. And then they celebrated the Passover. It was a celebration. You know what, you know what the, the Passover was? It was a great story in their history. It was something they were remembering that God had done for them. And so, you know, when they were celebrating it, you know what they were doing? They were excited. They were saying, hey, let me tell you about this. Come here, son. Sit down here beside me. Let me tell you what God did. And they told him this great and wonderful story. And, and like this morning, I mean, that's, that's what we do when we come together. I was standing there just thinking about this again. I thought about it this week. But I was thinking about it standing there, and I was, I was involved. I was, I was in the middle of doing it right then. As I was thinking about all these great things that God had done for my life, and I was celebrating. It's like I was celebrating Passover. I was remembering great things. And that's why that song, it's, you know, it's just, it's just like those songs built with me today. It's like I was celebrating. I was thinking about all the great stuff that God has done for me. And I said this a few weeks ago. I hope I didn't offend anybody then. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, 
I wonder if, enough, if some people have had God do enough for them because they don't seem to have anything to celebrate. Why don't you write the ship, Dad? Why don't you turn things around, make a decision today, and believe God to start giving you some things to celebrate in your home? If he hasn't given you enough yet, guess what? It's not his fault. His hands are full. He's just waiting on you to get everything right. So you don't believe me? You may give it to you. Here's the scripture right here. And in every work that he, Hezekiah, began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandments, to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. And so he prospered. If you don't have anything to celebrate yet, Read that verse again. And, start, we're, and we're not talking about just doing good things. We're talking about doing righteous things and spiritual things and being a leader and, and because of all the service of the house of God. And you need to think about your house, being the spiritual leader of the house of God, and then the law and the commandment, everything he did to seek God. He did all of that with his whole heart and because of this, he prospered. They say that word, that little word, so, so he prospered. So he prospered. That's connected to the, to the sentence right before it. Because of that, he prospered. If you don't have anything to celebrate today, Dad, turn it around. Let God see it. Stand with me, if you will. We, I, I just got to cut this off. Let me ask you to do every, uh, I want, I want all, all the dads in the house come to the front. I want all the dads in the house just come to the front. And I want, I want all the granddads to come to the front. Because if you're a granddad... You're a dad, too, right? I want, I, want, I want to give you this this bottle of oil, dads. Gave you one last year if you were here. You might not have used yours up yet. Next time, next time little boy, little girl in your house is sick in the middle of the night, you know what it's time to do? It's time to take the bottle of anointing oil out. Crawl into that room in the middle of the night, just touch them, and just like mark it for something special to God, mark it for a healing. A mark. That's, that's what we do. That's what, that's what the Word of God says to do. Anyone that's sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil, and the prayer of faith will save the sick. Mark them for a healing right then. Your kid having trouble at school, you, having, you and the kid having trouble talking and communicating, get in that house, get in that bedroom. Mark that bed, the place that they're sleeping. Say, God, change some things about their sleep habits. Change some things about stuff going on in their head while they're sleeping. Change some things. Get in their room. Find, find their, their books, their school books. Anoint those school books. Say, God, while they're carrying these school books and reading these school books, Lord, change some things about their thought process all day long. If you're worried about their friends, find some pictures of their friends or something just as, as just a place. You don't have to anoint every single picture, but find something. You worried about their uh, their texting and things that they're doing online? Get a hold of that phone or get a hold of that computer and anoint it and mark it. Say, God, I, I mark this thing. I mark this thing. I mark this phone. I mark this computer for good conversation. And I rebuke the the trash that somebody, the rubbish that somebody, the debris that somebody is going to try to bring into my kids' lives. And some of you say, Well, I'm not a dad anymore. Yeah, you are. You're just a granddad, maybe. Tell you, Bradley, I snuck into your house when you didn't know, and I've anointed. Dad, granddad, get in there when you get a chance. I want every future dad to come stand beside these.
present dads. Plan on being one one day. I hope you listened to everything I said. If you didn't, get, get the podcast and save it. But I want the dads to get the oil right now. Look up and see all, if all the dads are. All right, men, take a couple steps toward me. Come on, ladies, get in behind me. There's so much teaching at the beginning of this message, I couldn't fi- finish the preaching part. So let me say this. I can't, get to that, I can't get those last two points. Let me say this. Dad, don't be an Ahaz. Don't keep just passing it off and say it doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Don't do it, Dad. Because you're going to put your kids in the place of clearing out all that rubbish, turning the whole thing around like Hezekiah had to do. Took him a half a month with a lot of help to clear all that out. And that was just one house. And he's going to be by himself. Some of them right now as teenagers and growing into young men are struggling because their king has been an Ahaz. They basically shut the door say, I do, church doesn't matter. Christianity doesn't matter. Don't worry about what that youth pastor said. Don't worry that kid's pastor tries to get you to read your Bible every day. That, that stuff, you're, you're, you're nailing the door shut. Don't be an Ahaz. Don't put your child in the place of having to step up and become the spiritual leader that you're supposed to be in that home. You take the hand of a, uh, if you've got a family member close to you, definitely take the hand of somebody close to you or dad. Take the hand of one of those future dads or somebody. Wives, kids, if you get close to your dad, lay your hands on pray for him right now. I want to pray. Jamie's going to lead us in a final song. I want us to commit ourselves, dad. Finish the sentence, as for me in my house. Close your eyes right now. Finish that sentence. As for me in my house, finish it. Say it right now. Make your declaration right now. As for me in my house. Don't start singing till you finish praying in the name of Jesus, God. I ask you, Lord, give us.